0: Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Women Positive. This podcast celebrates the achievements of women as they overcome barriers. I want to share their stories, their ideas, and their strategies to inspire other women as well, women who haven't found the answer to their challenges as yet. It isn't always easy, but we can all learn from the solutions that other women have developed as we reach for a better future. We're going to hear from women whose compelling experiences and efforts to break the mold are a beacon for other women around us, so welcome. Today, we have Joanna Shaw, who is the founder of JMS Law in Barrie and someone who has overcome conditioning in order to take a seat at the big table. Welcome, Joanna.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm looking forward to exploring your background and the place that you are today, so let's dive in. You mentioned to me that you had always wanted to be a judge. Yes. And that was an aspiration that you had uh, from very early days. You also mentioned getting the tools, and part of gaining tools was gaining education. Was that part of the entry to a seat at the big table, being able to be educated and having a career as a lawyer in preparation, hopefully, for becoming a judge in later years?
1: Yes. I feel like I had always been gunning for a seat at the big table. (laughs) I just didn't know how to get there because I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't have others who had already paved the way for me in my world. I wasn't coming from a privileged space where uncles or aunts or cousins had already walked that path and I could somehow walk it alongside them or, or even behind them. I didn't have others in my life who knew that path and could tell me how to get there. So even if people hadn't walked it, maybe they knew about it and they could tell me, but I didn't have those people. The only thing I knew was that education was important. And if I did not educate myself, then I would never have that option. But it was at a time where, yes, a university education was very important and is very critical and still is today. I look at young people and I feel that there are wonderful ways for them to empower themselves and to grow and to become incredibly impactful in their own community. So I'm not going to suggest to every person on the planet that, yes, an education is critical. But what I'm going to say is that if you're going to make your mark in the world, education is important. Education, to the extent of whatever it is that you're deciding to do, you may need to educate yourself in that thing. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a formal education. But for me, that's what was important. I needed to have a formal education because becoming a judge, you can't just simply walk off the street and decide I'm going to be a judge. There is a path to follow. And, and I didn't know what that path was. I just knew that I needed to go to university. And every step of the way, if I saw someone doing this, I would pull them aside and say, hey, how did you get there? How did you do this? I had a friend who was in law school, and I was still an undergrad, and I was asking her the question, so how did you do it? And, you know, what do I need to do? Because I didn't feel confident enough to go to the official, the administration, to ask them that question I was asking my friend who'd already been there. And that's all part of the conditioning piece too, right? Because I was conditioned not to have a voice. I was conditioned that I was not valuable. I wasn't important because my brown skin didn't allow me to. And And I mean that in the kindest of ways, because you see, the thing is, I'm coming from a world where being brown wasn't just the issue with how brown was I, right? I was coming from a community where the darker your skin, the less value you had. And the less voice you have, and the less significant and less impactful you could possibly be in your your community. So for me, I had to overcome all of that. So not just the education piece. I had to overcome those belief systems. And so while I was going through university, I still had those very same belief systems embedded in me. As a lawyer, I feel that I've been incredibly impactful in my community. So imagine what would have happened had I turned my mind away from becoming a lawyer. One of the things that is
0: remarkable about your experience, I believe, is that you have overcome a number of obstacles. There are turning points in your aspiration to move forward and get a seat at the big table one of them was that you wanted to break the cycle of the family experience that you had i know you were a single mother while you were going to school that mm-hmm. was challenging
1: mm-hmm. getting
0: an education moving forward out of expectations there were many the first one was having a son tell me about the impact of having a son
1: so yeah having a my son, Matthew, I recognized that I needed to create a different legacy, that I wanted him to have a different type of role model to follow. I also wanted to break a cycle and a cycle from the world that we were in, which was a very marginalized place. And I felt that I needed to break that cycle. So with his birth, I realized that I had no choice that my choice was one of two things, was to either live the way that people expected me to be, which from my own family, because of their conditioning and how they viewed women's worth, even in my family. So that was not just what I deemed to be a societal expectation, but also what my family expected from me. And moving out of that meant that I had to go to university. And in going to university, I started to learn a lot more than in many cases that I wanted to. So things like critical race theory, philosophical ideals about living the good life and what does that look like? And how does one live a good life when you are coming from certain perspectives and certain places in the world? And I understood myself to be a racialized woman coming from another country without the supports and the resources that most people would have. So instead of feeling empowered, what I felt was angry at the world when I started learning ideas around critical race theory and how many people are treated in our society and I really truly wanted to overcome that. So university was an opportunity for me to open up my mind and to expand my thought patterns. So social justice became a really strong element in my practice of life in general. And then I guess much later in my thirties, I would say the next turning point for me would have been when I realized that I'd exhausted every other mode of understanding and every other way of seeing the world. I decided that I was going to look towards yoga and meditation because I really was looking for peace. So for me, yoga and meditation was the place where I found the most peace. It was the place where I found my compassion and my kindness. I started to recognize that there was room in the world for this peace. Now, by this time, I was already a lawyer and feeling that the world was not conducive to things like compassion and kindness. And I understood why that was after being a yogi and a meditator for a number of years, I started to realize that we're all caught in in this world of conditioned understanding of who is important and who's not, who is valued and who's not, and whose voice gets heard and who's not. And so it's not a situation where... People are intentionally trying to be mean. This is just how we're all conditioned.
0: Were there other steps that you had to take so that you could have a voice and you could be empowered socially and economically?
1: So this whole idea of having a seat at the table for me, what it means is my capacity to make decisions for my own life and being able to decide what I'm going to do day to day and not have it defined for me. And I can give an example of that. You know, when I was in university as a single parent, uh, at the time I was on family benefits. And I remember I used to have to go to the to the family benefits office every three months or so and take my bank statements into the person and they would go through my bank statements and basically get a sense of how I was spending my money of course, things that I was spending it on that did not appeal to them or didn't seem appropriate to them, they would mention that. And, and, you know, I would have to account for it, but it was a very humiliating experience and I remember vowing not to be in that situation forever. Never to have someone else dictate for me how it is that I spend my money. And, and so seat at the big table means that I get to direct that. I get to direct my financial destiny. And that would fit in definitely in the economic element of it. Having a seat at the table means that I would have some strength in my decisions and my experiences. I would feel empowered and know again that I'm not at the behest of other people and I'm not having others control my experiences. And more importantly, having that voice, as you mentioned, right, having a voice in key places, being able to say things where people are actually listening and hearing me and and feel that what I have to say is important. Because prior to me having the, the success that I do now, no one really thought that I had anything important to say. And that would include my family and my family who's also been conditioned by what I hear now in the context in which I work is things around colonialism and domination of people who are marginalized, including women and including indigenous people and people who are racialized, as well as people who are financially uh, incapacitated in some way, and of course, physically incapacitated and then differently abled people. So I feel that having this ability to be empowered in this way, has been very important. I think it's also important in your concept of access to justice. As
0: a lawyer, how do you see that?
1: Access to justice for me, it's more than just words. It's more than just what we put on our screens, the different ways in which we identify ourselves and the ways in which we, we demonstrate to the world that we actually, we see them, access to justice. Is, is all of those things and more. For me, access to justice is how I think, what's in my heart in any given moment when I'm interacting with people. It's in my language when I am speaking to someone and their ability to understand what I'm saying and my ability to hear and understand what they're saying and feel what they're feeling. So that it comes down to things like compassion and empathy. But I feel that the access to justice is also people's capacity and ability to reconnect with themselves spiritually. And and when I say that, I'm not talking about it from a religious perspective. I'm talking about it from a deeper inner connection with oneself. And I have a guru that I listen to from time to time who's once said that we are all one and so when I hurt you, I'm actually hurting myself. So that deeper understanding for me is what access to justice really means. So whenever I'm interacting with any person, it doesn't matter whether or not it's someone that's privileged or someone who's not privileged, I should always be able to identify with what's going on in their heart in some way, shape or form.
0: Joanna, you have been a lawyer for over 17 years now and you've established your own law practice, JMS Law, and it's a different kind of practice. So I'd love for you to let us know about how you've taken your experiences and formed your law practice.
1: JMS started because I wanted to create an environment where we could do things differently, where we can take into consideration people's emotional state of mind, where we can be very reflective on our own actions and behaviors so creating an environment where people are feeling tense and and unworthy and not valued is not cool i use the word cool because i've been a children's lawyer for a long time and so this is how um i end up chatting with many of my my young people who uh, who teach me a lot about what it means to be a lawyer and what it means to act from a place of humility and to bring more humanness to the practice of law. Our tagline is an awakened approach to law and when I say that I mean that it's an opportunity for us to really reflect and become better than we were yesterday and to look at things from a deeper place and to truly understand and appreciate the people that come to get our help and uh, for us to assist them in whatever way we can. Leadership and compassion and kindness is a huge piece in terms of the way in which we practice. Those are the values that we espouse and, and you know, integrity means that we walk or talk. There's a great deal of egalitarianism that functions in our office, which is not as typical in, in other places decision making is done a lot of the times with everybody's success in mind because we want to make sure that everyone is thriving and even our clients right we want to show them and teach them tools that they can ultimately thrive in their own lives and we're very passionate about that and that comes directly i think from my own need to change the world you know i went to law school So I should say, you know, at the age of six, I wanted to be a judge. But then when I went to law school, I went to law school to change the world. I think that we can change the world, but we can change it one person at a time. And we can change it one community at a time by way of that ripple effect. We model for others, we do good work, and others will benefit from that. I also
0: want to ask you about some of the services that you have. There are several busy areas that you are supporting, like family law and real Mm -hmm. estate. You are a mediator and you're a children's lawyer. But you've also done some innovation, which I love, and that is the parenting program. Can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, the parenting program has been my little passion project, (laughs) if I can call it that it began at the behest of one of our local judges who felt that it was really important that we started to do things differently for families who were experiencing separation and divorce and before the court and that people's mindsets and beliefs and conditioning can oftentimes thwart much of the good work that's attempted by the institution of law and, and even counseling and therapeutic work. So this judge really wanted to find another way to help families and I've been a children's lawyer for so long asked me to investigate potential programming to help families and the parenting program was something that I discovered and then I started to enhance the program based on the personal growth work that I had been doing. So the parenting program has have a lot of my own teachings, my own learning throughout life. It's been a wonderful way to help parents to understand the damage that's done to their children when they're in conflict without the self-awareness and the capacity to deal with that conflict in a way that is productive. The parenting program gives parents an opportunity to learn strategies and tools on how to be in conflict, but at the same time, make that conflict productive and allow them to grow from it. And then, of course, for their children to have role models for conflict resolution that may not have been possible otherwise. We really encourage parents to be a model for their children, knowing that children do what we do, not what we say. But we try to make sure the parents need the parenting program understanding. That they have a duty to be the best role models that they can be so that their children can do well in life in general and then coming back to that seat at the big table this is all what that's about right helping parents to understand that if you want your children to achieve great things in life you need to give them the opportunity and the tools and the environment for them to achieve great things in life and for them to attain their seat at the big table That's certainly innovative. There's another innovative group that
0: you've formed. Can you tell me about the LEAD group?
1: Well, that is more of a fun group, I will say. (laughs) It's really trying to get legal professionals, in particular lawyers, to open themselves and open their minds to different ways of seeing the world. And here's what LEAD really means. It means lawyers' empowerment association for diverse perspectives. And when I say diverse, I mean anything. You know, whatever it is that we want to talk about, it's an opportunity to talk about different things in our lives, including our spirituality, our insecurities, and things that may
0: be limiting
1: all of us, and how it is that we show up to the work that we do every day, including conversations around what one calls the imposter syndrome, and how many of us are in the world, very much like everybody else, really. Everybody that we encounter every day is struggling with some kind of insecurity, some kind of worry about whether or not they're good enough or they fit the bill. So this is a community where we get to talk about that and with a great deal of openness and feel like we are in a safe environment to do so. If somebody came to you and said, in my
0: family, the conditioning To keep me thinking small, to let me know that my experience is not enough, my opportunities are limited. What would you suggest are the steps that you might ask somebody to consider taking if they want to overcome that conditioning so that they can take a seat at the big table?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I think for me, the things that really started me on that journey of moving from the, the little table to the big table was reading a lot. I started to read a lot. I started to find people who were very similar in thinking around things that I was reading about. So I started to speak to people who were spiritually grounded, who were very confident in their world and their lives, always people who were sort of doing better than I was and I would have these conversations with them. I would say the next stage is to find the things that you're really passionate about and really engage in those things. You know, hobbies uh, for me, yoga and meditation became a hobby, but then it became more than that. It became how I actually lived my life. So find the things that are going to empower you and, and do them often. And really, there should be no compromise in terms of the things that empower you always do them no matter what happens it should be a, a, a regular part of your routine because practice makes perfect and the more we practice being better than we were yesterday the better we will become in every day so reading for me has been my saving grace and of course creating a community and, and I heard one judge once said a village right so instead of a community create a village of people who are not just of like minds, but challenge you by asking you deeper questions that will make you think deeper and harder and pull you out of the very entrenched state that you might potentially be in. And always know that you were intended to be greater than you are in this moment and that anything is possible. and And I think that I'm living proof of that.
0: I think you are as well. It's interesting, Joanna, because I just spoke to a one-woman group, which is a diverse group of women around the world, and my message was, in moments of change, there are three elements that you need, and I think you embody them. One is patience with yourself, because you have to give yourself some grace. Secondly, Mm -hmm. perseverance. You certainly are the model for persevering. Mm -hmm. And positivity, and I know you live your life from a positive perspective. So I think that in a big dollar yeah. of determination.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the things that's actually really sort of I'm learning now more than ever is never let other people define who you are and who you're supposed to be. Because their definitions are more often than not, if not almost every time wrong. And you get to define you. And I think we forget that.
0: Your story is really inspiring mm. and I appreciate your being at the Women Positive Podcast today. I'm going to just say thank you because I think this will really guide women in overcoming that conditioning.
1: And I want to thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed having this conversation and you know, look forward to having many more like them. So thank you for that.
0: Thanks for joining us today. We hope you will join us each week as we walk through women's journeys in overcoming challenges. This podcast is brought to you by Ask for Directions Training helping new entrepreneurs grow and create the business of their dreams. If you found this to be valuable, please share it with your family, friends, and others. Also, I would love it if you would leave a comment or a review. If you have a story to tell about overcoming a challenge, reach out to me at patricia at askfordirectionstraining.com about appearing on the podcast. Until next time, stay positive.